Well, a very warm welcome to you, and it is a lot warmer, isn't it, after minus 40 for the last week, even minus 6 or 7 feels warm now, so a warm welcome to you all here this evening at our Christmas Eve service, and especially if you are a visitor, um, we're very glad to have you with us. Um, My name is Gavin Peacock, I am the associate pastor here at the church, and I'm going to be preaching uh, a message to you from the Gospel of Matthew, the passage that Pastor Rob uh, read. So if you do have a Bible, it would be good to keep that passage open in front of you because I'll be referring to it and you can glance down and see where I'm getting what I'm saying from. Um, And as you do that, let me just pray briefly before we begin. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we do come to you this evening recognizing the fact of our great need Uh, of a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to your great purpose and your great love, you have provided that Savior. He has willingly come. He has come, he has lived, he has died, and he has risen again, and is even at your right hand now as he prepares to return one day. Thank you for your people, the church, and thank you that you, uh, by your Spirit and according to your Word, are gathering in the rest of those people in the mission of the church. I pray that as the word is heard tonight, it would be loved and felt and Christ would be seen and followed and worshipped. For it is in his name that I pray. Amen. Well, last Saturday at our Nine Lessons and Carols Children's event, if you were here, Pastor Clint preached from the exact same text as this. But I'd already decided to preach on this for Christmas Eve, so neither of us had, had sort of talked about this. And I came along and I thought, oh no, I'm done for. He's, he's stolen my sermon. And then I thought, no, he's done all the spade work for me. All I need to do is just ride on his coattails. So I stuck with my sermon. And in fact, it, it works well because in, in the passage, you see, there are two names for Mary's child. Uh, two names, one which meets our greatest need and one which fulfills our deepest desires. The first name, his given name, as we saw from Clint and we see from the passage in verse 21, is, is Jesus, which means God saves. So you see there, uh, the angel says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This meets our greatest need salvation from our sins. The second name is from the prophecy in Isaiah that Pastor Rob read, and it is Emmanuel, which means God with us or God is with us. This fulfills our deepest desires because only God can truly satisfy our quest for peace and joy. So God himself will come to us and be our God. The first name describes what he does, Jesus saves. The second name describes who he is, the promised one who comes to be with us and reveal God to us. And that is the message of Christmas. That is what Matthew tells us in verses 22 and 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And notice that Emmanuel is from the Hebrew Emmanuel, and it translates in Greek 
God with us. And this is important because it indicates to us that, that Jesus will come for both Jews and Gentiles, for people from every nation. Jesus came down, God with us, for people like you and me tonight, friends. That is great news. What a thought that is. Emmanuel, God with us. God comes to be reconciled to us. This is our greatest need, and He fulfills our deepest desires. Because, you know, there is a great hole. There's a great dislocation. There's a great alienation in our lives, in all of, of our lives. And for many, Christmas draws attention to that hole, the hole that nothing can fill, that hole in your life that you feel when you realize it's the first Christmas without a loved one who's died, that alienation that you feel as you look around the table and you see a space that a father or a mother should fill but doesn't because of a broken home, that dislocation you feel as you sit with family and, and you eat and drink and smile, but underneath there are undertones of hurt and bitterness. How many of us here have difficult, complicated family relationships? It wouldn't take much for me to scratch the seemingly happy and well put together veneers of many of you here this evening to expose this hole in your heart and to see how you've sought to fill it and soothe the ache in education, vacations, qualifications, vocations. But of course, nothing lastingly fills that hole and fixes that sense of alienation and dislocation that we all feel. There's a ceiling, isn't there? There's a ceiling of, of satisfaction or a, a level of anesthesia that, that you feel and then, and then the pain returns. It always does. Every person naturally suppresses the truth about God even as he's revealed himself in his creation. The Apostle Paul tells us this in Romans 1. But even so, the church father Augustine is right when he prays. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You see, there's a restlessness of the soul, isn't there? Maybe you feel that this evening. A hole that can only be filled by God. And so in his marvelous love, the uncreated creator has come down into his creation in order to make a new creation of his people. Enter Matthew 1.23, Emmanuel, God with us. The Apostle John puts it like this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Because it is not ideologies or education or finances that bridges the gap and satisfies that deep ache. It's the person. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. See, that ultimate hole and dislocation is because of the alienation between God and man. Our sin separates us from a right relationship with God. So Jesus comes down, God incarnate, and makes a bridge back to God, as it were, by saving his people from their sins, thus bringing sinners to God. 
You see, Jesus was born to die. Born in a manger in order to die on a cross. That is where the saving act takes place. As the just wrath of God the Father for sinners is poured out on God the Son instead. On the cross, when Jesus cries out, as we read even later in Matthew, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus experiences his Father's displeasure at sin as he stands in the place of sinful people. So there's no more judgment then for those who take Jesus as their Savior. Only the grace of God with us. God with us as Savior and friend. Now, this is a message for everyone here this evening, for all men and women, all boys and girls. Jesus knows you are desperately alone inside. You are not whole. You're not fulfilled. It's part of the judgment even of God upon your sin. And all the masks that you put on, and all the coping mechanisms that you use, all your successes and aspirations, your family, possessions, and performance cannot take away the deep, hopeless sense of alienation you feel. It's why many of you here this evening may feel depressed or angry, fearful. You're masking and you're coping with the wrong things. But Jesus says to you tonight, He says, I know. I know. And I've come and I have died, and I have risen. And I'll not only meet your greatest need by saving you from your sins, I will fulfill your deepest desires by being with you and for you. You think you can satisfy them with these other things, but I alone, I alone can do it. I am the friend who will always be there and never let you down. I am the good shepherd who will protect you and guide you even in the deepest valleys. I always do what I say, and all the promises of God find their yes in me. And I promise I will be with you to the end of the age, which not only guarantees my presence with you, but my return to you when I come again to judge the living and the dead and take my people to be with me forever. What a story. What good news that is. What, what kind of love, friends, are we talking about here? That God would condescend and come down and take on flesh and die as a sacrifice for sinners like us in order to bring us to God? But this is the message of Christmas. This is the message of Christmas. God with us. But if that's the message of Christmas, what about the response to the message? What is your response? What's your response right here, right now, to Christmas? Well, did you notice that the message here is actually delivered to Joseph by the angel? Joseph is, is the one. Joseph's name's mentioned four times. It's mentioned more than Mary. Matthew is telling Joseph's view of Christmas. He was betrothed to Mary. In those days, a betrothal was almost as good as being married, yet he finds out that she is pregnant. This is going to be scandalous. Joseph had never been with Mary sexually, so how, how could this be? This is disrupting news for him to hear. And that's what happens when God breaks into your life. 
He disrupts your thoughts and plans. God doesn't do things man's way. And now Joseph, he, he's a good man. You see there in, in verse 19, he's described as just. He comes from a lineage of, of men who, who believed that God was sending a saviour. We see the genealogy of Jesus Christ at the beginning. There at the beginning of Matthew in verse 1, we see the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. God promised he would come. He promised the seed of Abraham who would be a blessing to the world. The promised king to follow in the line of David. And Joseph would have known his Bible and he'd have been expecting the Messiah. But you see, it's one thing to know stuff about Jesus. It's another thing to be able to recognize him and receive him as your savior and king. And you can have some Bible knowledge without it being knowledge that saves. Christ is the Savior. And so I'm asking you this evening, what will you do about it? What will you do about it? Will you welcome him or will you reject him or ignore him? Joseph is a good man, but being righteous and good is not enough to save him. He needs Jesus for that. And your good works... Well, they won't save you. They won't save you. Your religious performance won't save you. Only Jesus can. And you must welcome him if you want to be saved. And this is why the gospel is often a stumbling block for good and upright people and nice people like a lot of you people are, I'm sure. You think you're good and that God will accept you because you're good. But that's not true. You need to be saved from your sins because no one is truly good. And so what we need is we need God to illuminate our hearts. And this is what happens to Joseph. He's a good man and he's a merciful man. And he seeks to do what he thinks is right and call the marriage off in order to protect Mary's reputation. That was noble but wrong-headed, wasn't it? So God breaks in. He illuminates. He breaks in through his angel in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And he tells him the gospel. That Jesus, promised by God and sent by God, was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. The virgin birth means that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so we have a supernatural intervention, and that's needed for the human problem. God incarnate, meeting the greatest need of man by salvation from sins and fulfilling the deepest desires of man for peace and wholeness, removing the sense of loneliness and alienation and bringing man back to God to know God is with us. When I wanted to marry my wife, Amanda, I went and I asked her myself. I didn't send someone else to do the job because in matters of love, you need to go yourself. And this is what God does when love comes down at Christmas. He comes himself in the incarnation. And then the light, the light goes on for Joseph. He wakes up. We see at the end of the passage, he wakes up physically, but he wakes up spiritually. He understands Jesus is Savior, God with him. 
And his life is transformed as he does what the angel tells him to do and takes Mary to be his wife in verse 24. And he calls the baby Jesus. And in a public ceremony, that would be he legally adopted him as his son. That's what happens when you are supernaturally saved. You have a new birth and a new life and your actions take a U-turn and you walk in obedience to God's words like Joseph did. You see, God was saving Joseph through the one Joseph took to be his son. So has the light gone on for you? Will you receive Jesus? And if you say you have, is your life a picture of obedience to God's word? Do you remember in the gospel according to Luke, the angels are afraid, they fear, when they see the angel. And the angel tells them, not to be afraid of him, the angel. But in the gospel according to Matthew, Joseph is afraid when the angel appears, and he isn't told not to be afraid of the angel. He's told not to be afraid of taking Mary as his wife and therefore receiving Jesus. Because many are afraid to take Jesus as their savior, you know. What would people say? Will this disrupt my life? I mean, I might have to give things up. I might lose friendships, even relationships with with family. My life will not be about me anymore. It's going to be about Him. And yes, it's true. It will cost you to follow Jesus. There is a cost. But friends, the reward is far superior than your biggest loss. Because you see, God deals in ultimate things. So in Jesus, your greatest need will be met, and your deepest desires will be fulfilled. So friends, as you leave here tonight, and as I close, remember, every candle has potential to shine and be used for the purpose for which it was made. But it's no good unless that, if that candle remains unlit. So don't leave here unlit. May God illuminate your mind as he did for Joseph. May you respond in heartfelt faith like Joseph and receive Jesus. And the simple question is, will you realize who Jesus is and why he came? Will you confess your sin and your need for him and embrace him as the one who saves God with us? It's simple, but it's everything. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would do a miraculous work here this evening. I pray that you would stir in the hearts of many great love for Jesus, great faith and trust in Him as Savior, as God with us. I pray that you would do that for the first time, maybe, in someone's heart here tonight. And I pray that you would strengthen in all of us our great love and resolve to follow Jesus all the days of our lives. In his name I pray. Amen. Just a reminder that we do have uh, a service on Christmas Day tomorrow morning, the Lord's Day, um, 10.45. So look forward to seeing you then. Um, And also to say, you've heard the gospel uh, message this evening. So don't go away unlit. If you're stirred in any way and you want to talk about this more, if you want any one to talk to, Pastor Rob and myself, we're here for a few minutes. Don't go out of here. Don't, Don't leave. Just come talk to us. Jesus is a kind king, 
and he welcomes those who come to him in repentance and faith. Um, so just to be sure, we'll, we'll sit with you and pray with you. Uh, just as, as a word of benediction from the Gospel of John. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Further down, it says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. He has made him known to us, God with us. Go in peace. You're dismissed.